everybody, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon that was really unexpected at our church. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to tell you why this unexpected sermon was preached. At 8.45 p.m. on Saturday night, Matt Canary, who was supposed to preach, who is an elder and a pastor at our church and a Bible teacher vocationally, he called me and said, I just got an email from work and somebody has COVID, so I have to quarantine for two weeks. Obviously, we scrambled a little bit to find somebody to preach, but Bruce Sloan, who you're about to hear preach, was available to come and deliver the sermon at our church. And so this will not be a regular sermon in that it won't continue our series on living sacrifices or through the book of Romans. We'll continue that in a couple of weeks, but I think it's an awesome sermon that will be really important for you. And so again, thanks for listening. I do hope that this sermon, this unexpected sermon, will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. So it's good to be with you. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. If you would, take them and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We'd love to spend some time in God's Word together as we look to see what God has to say to us about our lives and how God wants us to use it for His glory. Chad says, hey, Bruce, you got a sugar stick. And I said, well, uh, I've got several sugar sticks that I could bring, but one of my favorite books is the book of Philippians. And it's a book about joy. Because Paul himself understood what happens when things get turned upside down. And by the way, this last year, literally, things have been turned upside down. Uh, Your church, like many of our churches, were hitting a good stride. And then COVID-19 shows up and there's lockdown, there's shutdowns, there's all sorts of things. So the question is, what do we do from here? What do we want the next year to look like? based upon God's promises. My my dad used to say to us boys, and I'm one of seven sons, no sisters, and uh, dad used to say, God never wastes your pain. God uses your circumstances in life to bring glory to Him, to also bring you into a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to be a blessing to those around you. Now think about that for a moment. If there's pain in your life, how in the world can that glorify God? And how in the world can it be a blessing to somebody else? And most of all, how am I supposed to grow through this pain? But that's God's design. Matter of fact, James says in the first chapter of James, the testing of our faith works patience. God is using our life experience to bring us closer to Him and to grow us to be more like Jesus. We understand that His character reflected the very sovereignty and person of God. And Jesus has called us to be in the world and not to be of the world. So if you have your Bibles and look at Philippians chapter 1, if you would, we're going to focus basically on a couple of verses beginning in verse 12. Now notice what the Apostle Paul says, and I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advancement of the gospel. Mark that in your Bible. Paul says that everything that's happened in my life, even to this point, the beatings and the stonings and the shipwrecks and the snake bites and all the things that I've gone through, and and you can read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 some of the things he lists in that 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, but Paul says everything I've experienced in life, God literally has a purpose. And notice what he says, it's happened to me actually to result in the advancement of the gospel. 
Think about that. Your life and my life, the things we're experiencing today as well as in the past, God intends to use to advance the gospel and to bring glory to Him. But most of all, to reach people who are asking this question, who am I? Is there a God? Do I matter? Is there a purpose for my life? Does really anybody care about me? I live in the city of Newburgh. And Newburgh, during, the, Newburgh, during this last year of COVID, we've, we've seen an increase of suicides. I don't know how your community is. But people have lost hope. And we had a school teacher that basically made signs that said, you matter. And when you drive the streets of Newburgh today, you'll find several of these signs along the road which basically says, you matter. There's a purpose for your life. And when we think about that, Paul says, hey folks, this is what we're about. God has called us to be people who make a difference. Now here's the question today. Think about this. How can my life experiences or yours be used by God to bring glory and further advance the gospel? That's the proposition. That's the big idea. How can God use your circumstance today to advance the gospel? Well, Paul's going to give us some ideas how that's going to happen. And I want to share with you at least four simple ways that you and I can see God at work. Are you ready? The first one is this. The gospel is advanced when God uses our life experiences as an example to other people. My dad used to say to us boys, when we left and we went on a date or when we went to play sports or when we went to church, he said, now guys, remember who you are. Remember who, belo- who you belong to and remember who you represent. My dad drilled into us seven boys. And by the way, none of us went to prison. Thank God. I just want you to know that. Matter of fact, there was uh, actually three cops and a preacher. So not bad. But when you think about what my dad was teaching us, he said, guys, remember this. You are an example. People are going to see you. They're going to look at you and say, aha, that's one of those Sloan boys. And he said, by the way, what you do reflects on me. Now, Christians, don't you think what we do when I reflect on Jesus It ought to glorify Him, and our lives need to reflect that presence. Paul says here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, all these things God intends to use, He intends to use to advance the gospel. But look at verse 13. He also says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. Hey, Paul says, guess what, folks? This is no accident. This is not just something that happened because of who I am. God understands that everything that's happening in my life, He intends to use for His glory. And He says it's become known throughout the whole palace guard and everyone that I'm here for the sake of Christ. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.9, he says, this is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is never chained. Make a note of that. No matter how many times they bind us, no matter how how many times they imprison us for preaching the gospel. And by the way, that's happening in the world today. We need to understand something that Paul says, the gospel can never be chained. The gospel can never be thwarted. God's purpose is to use your life, my life, to advance the gospel of the kingdom. And that's why we're here. That's the purpose of Creekside Bible Church, by the way, folks. You exist for the sake of those who are yet to enter the kingdom of God. What you do isn't just to make us feel better. What you do isn't just designed to make us a holy huddle. But what we do as a congregation is designed to reach those outside the household of faith. Why? Because Jesus came to establish His church. 
I like the fact that Jesus told Peter that the gates of hell would not stand against it. Some translations say prevail against it. I have a friend of mine who is in heaven today, but he was from Texas. Anybody from Texas here today? Hallelujah, y'all. Good to see you. But old brother Tim would say, Bruce, when I read that verse, when, when, when Jesus tells Peter that the gates of hell will not prevail against me, what he says is, I kind of see me and you charging hell with water pistols. And I said, Tim, now time out, brother. Water's not going to do much in hell, but I tell you something, the gospel will overcome it. So we're going to charge hell with the gospel. And that's why Paul is saying to us, God uses our life experiences to advance the gospel and to use us in examples to other people. Everything you do, everything I do, is being watched. Those of you who have children at home, I'll always remember my son when he was little, and uh, it snowed where we lived down in southern Oregon at the time. I was pastoring a church, and I remember when I went walking to the mailbox, I noticed that Todd was behind me. And Todd was literally trying to jump into my footprints. He was just about three years old, not big enough to walk. Well, he was walking, but not that big of a kid. But he would jump from footprint to footprint. And as I noticed, the closer I got to the mailbox, I heard this, and I turned around and said, Todd, what are you doing? He said, Dad, I'm just trying to walk in your steps. People hear me today. It glorifies God when we walk in His steps. It shows other people that we're following and we're faithful. We're not just fans of Jesus, my friends, but we're fully devoted, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And it makes sense that we ought to be jumping to walk into the steps where Jesus walked. As a matter of fact, he said, you'll not only see what I've done, but you'll do greater things than I've ever done. So we understand that Paul is saying, folks, hear me. God's going to use your life experience to bring glory to Him. He's going to use you as an example to other people, even in the midst of of your pain. Both of my children are adults. I have five grandchildren. But most, the most interesting thing, the most blessed thing in my life, not only is my grandchildren, but to know that both of my children are cancer survivors. Both of my children experienced cancer early in their lives. And, and we don't know why God did it. God could have chosen not to heal them. God could have chosen to take them home. But, but God in His mercy showed us grace. And my children today are alive and well. I lost a brother to cancer at the age of 45. Both my grandmothers died of cancer. So the Sloan family, by the way, the Sloan in Irish means warrior. So just be ready, folks. I'm coming for you. Okay? And by the way, the word Bruce means from the bushes. So that means I'm the first guerrilla warrior you're ever going to see. Okay? And you won't see me till I get there. But the interesting thing is my children have survived cancer. We thank God for that. And how many times has God used these situations to bring glory to God? Just two weeks ago, a dear friend of ours, three days short of their 47th wedding anniversary, she was taken home with cancer. I performed a funeral for a six-month-old baby boy named James, blue-eyed, blonde hair, who died of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons, but the Bible also says that death is our enemy. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus died that we might live. So true life, true joy, true victory... 
And and true glory comes because of who Jesus is living in and through us. Paul doesn't stop there. There's also the second point I want to share with you. The gospel is advanced when God uses our life experiences as an example to others. But here's the second one. The gospel is advanced when God uses our life experience to encourage people. Encourage. By the way, folks, I think the church could use a truckload of encouragement. Amen? There's enough criticism in this world. There's enough of counter or cancel culture happening around us. I mean, by the way, folks, if I say something you don't like, you're offended. Well, tough. Get over it. I'm sorry. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to preach the gospel. And the problem is, we don't know how to agree to disagree anymore and love each other. Amen, sister. I've had it up to here, and that's a short neck, by the way, folks. I want you to know that. But I've had it up to here with this idea of saying, Bruce, we don't want to hear what you have to say. And matter of fact, what you have to say, we don't agree with, so therefore it's not right. Baloney. I have an opinion, and I'm not afraid to share it. But I'm going to share it knowing that I love you and I respect you, even though we don't agree. So folks, listen to me. As God's people, we need to understand that everything happens to us, not only to really bring glory to God and to example or to show the example to other people, but also God wants us to be a people of encouragement. Encouragement. I remember the story Chuck Swindoll told about his son, Ryan. He was about six years old, and they were hauling bark dust to put around their garden. And, and Dr. Swindoll said he was emptying the truck, and Ryan was in there helping him with a little shovel and putting it in the wheelbarrow. And he noticed as he was coming back to get another load that Ryan would try to get out of the pickup. And on the tailgate, he was hanging on to the very edge of the tailgate, and his feet was, he, he couldn't even find the ground. And as Dr. Swindoll got closer and closer, he heard this little voice. Somebody help me. Somebody help this little boy. Somebody help me. And finally, when he grabbed hold of his feet, Dr. Spinell said, Ryan told him, Oh, Dad, I knew you'd come. Thank you for coming and helping your son. How much more has Jesus Christ come to help us? How much more has Jesus Christ come to save us from the pits of hell and separation from God and the sin and Satan and all the things that we struggle with? But understand the gospel is advanced when God uses my experiences. And Paul says, friends, listen, understand everything that's happened to me has happened to advance the gospel. Verse 14 of Philippians 1, look at it. Notice what it says. Paul says, most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment. And dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. Now, folks, look this way for a minute. I'm a hunk of hunk of something, amen? Now, to my wife, I'm a hunk of hunk of burning love. But you don't know me. Matter of fact, June 19th is our 50th wedding anniversary. Can I get a witness? Amen. And I'm only 49. I don't get it. But it's amazing. How God has worked, but I want you to recognize this verse says something very important. I have confidence. It's been amazing to me in 46 years of ministry that I've gotten phone calls from people who said, Brother Bruce, this is so-and-so, and you'll never know what happened to me today. Well, tell me. I want to know. And they pour out their hearts, and I begin to weep, and they begin to weep, and we celebrate over the phone, and we understand that 
God has used something in the past to make a difference in the presence and their life has been changed. And most of all, there's been mutual encouragement and that stirs me even to move more forward in advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ to know this brother's been changed and somehow my life and my example has been an encouragement to him. Here's a question for you today, folks. Who are you encouraging? Who are you speaking words of wisdom? Who are you investing in? By the way, Chad is one of the best of the best. He didn't pay me to say this. I don't care if he pays me or not. But your church has the cream of the cream. Now, folks, understand something. God is not finished with Creekside Baptist Church. You're just beginning. And Chad is the man that God's put here for this time to move you forward. And please encourage him and let him go. Amen? Let him lead. So many times in my ministry as a denominational leader, I've seen pastors just whipped and broken because the church has chewed them up one side and down the other. Their expectations of the man of God isn't even biblical, and yet they're not afraid just to rip his heart out and chew on his family. And folks, I stood from the pulpit of my first pastorate and said, look, if you mess with my wife, you will die. You will die. I took off the preacher's hat. I said, man, I'll stomp a hole in you quicker than you can say cat man do. And it's over. And I'll be glad to do your funeral and even sing at it just for you. But do not mess with my wife or my children. You called me to be your pastor, not them. So Chad, quote me, make it yours. Stand up here and tell these people, man, you mess with my wife and you will see the wrath of God. And I will be it. You think I'm being funny? I'm not. These are serious times. Let your leaders lead. Encourage them. Pray for him. Send him a note. Just let him know how much God has blessed you because of him. Because God is using him to glorify him, to advance the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why God brought you here. And if you're looking for a church, you've found it. Because this is the place that God has called this church to be and to do. So the gospel is advanced when God uses our life experiences. Paul says... He's not only going to use us as an example, but to encourage other people. And Paul even says in Philippians 4, 11, notice this, 11b and 12, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says, I've learned, whether in plenty or in want. I've been there. I've done that. And I have the confidence that God is using these circumstances to use me as an encouragement. Psalm 91, verse 11 says, For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Now we see that as a messianic psalm. But what a promise to Jesus. What a promise to us that God knows our situation and He is an encouragement to us. Well, here's the third principle. God's going to use your life situations to bring glory to Him through an example in your life to be an encourager, but also, number three, to exalt the Lord. To worship the Lord in every situation. Now guys, how many of you like to tinker? How many of you are 
oh, what, you got a garage full of tools, right? A handyman. I couldn't find the word. See what happens when you get gray hair? It goes really... You know, how many of you guys are kind of a handyman? Oh, man, I'm in the wrong place. There goes that illustration. You know? Well, in my case, I had a five-pound sledgehammer trying to drive a big old nail through a board. And guess what? In the midst of all the joy and excitement, you know what happened, right? The sledgehammer missed, caught my big toe. Somehow, being left-handed, it didn't work out right. And bam, I about busted my big toe. Now, I want you to know, I said, thank you, Jesus. Right? No. No. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I was screaming words like, oh, ah, sugar, spice, oh, pain. Oh, I tried everything I could to keep from swearing. Well, don't look at me like you've never done that. Because <laughs> you lie about other things too. Yeah. My dad always said, son, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. Did you, did, does that ring with you? Oh yeah, dad, that's real prophetic and it's true. But right now, I don't want to hear it. That's like telling somebody drowning, hey, I've got swimming lessons for you, right? Come on, that's no help at the moment. Thank God for you mamas. Mama said, oh, Brucie, come here. Let me hug you. She kissed me. on. Oh, it, the pain went away. Gals, you are a blessing. Give yourself a hand. Yeah, Amen. All right. Look at verse 20 of Philippians chapter 1. Paul goes on to say something very important. He says, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, if you want a life verse, there it is. God is going to use your life experiences to be an encouragement, to be an example, but also He's going to use those experiences to teach us to worship Him. You've heard that saying, no pain, no gain? It's true. Anytime we face life experiences, we are foolish to think that we can live a life pain-free. My dad said this to us boys, if you live long enough, you'll get old. Amen? Some of you down here with me? Anybody over 70? Say amen. Am I the only one? Wow. It's amazing. If you live long enough, you'll get old. But he also said, if you live long enough, you'll have experiences in your life that'll be good, bad, and ugly. By the way, they named a movie about that. Good, bad, and ugly. The question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with your pain? Paul says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, when you receive, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a the price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Well, now there's a sermon in itself. Everything God intends to do in me, in you, and through me, and through you, is to bring glory to Him. The Greek word is doxaadzo. We translate it doxology. You remember that? Do we sing that anymore? Praise God from whom all blessings. Remember that? Yeah. We don't sing it much. 
But the word doxology comes from that Greek word doxaajo, which means literally that we're praising God from the inside out. Remember your 13th birthday party? Hey guys, remember the rite of passage? We went from 12 being a child, now at 13 we're a teenager. And then remember your 21st birthday? My grandson celebrates his 21st birthday on April 28th. Yeah, I've got one that'll be 25 in July. But when you think about these grandchildren, the the 21st birthday represents so much responsibility, so much expectation. Because in a sense, that's the right we say of passage. That's the right of maturity. So Paul says God wants us to exalt Him in every situation, to use life experiences to encourage others, but also to be an example. But the fourth thing I want to share with you is simply this. God uses your experiences in life to establish, to ground, to deepen your faith. The testing of your faith works patience. I know one person told me years ago, whatever you do, Bruce, don't pray for patience. Wait a minute. Why would you say that? He said, well, because if you pray for patience, God will give you a truckload of testing. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense because scripturally it says to us that God is going to allow that trial or that temptation to be used. Why? To glorify Him and to grow us. So this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what life experience is happening in you. But I want you to know something that the Bible teaches us that God is at work. In fact, a person asked me the other day, does God do anything today? Has anybody ever asked you that? I know Jesus came and died, but what's God doing today? And I said, well, God is doing what He's always done. He's sovereign. He's in charge of this universe. We're we're seeing the glory of His majesty. I mean, isn't this a beautiful day the Lord has made? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is a great day. So Paul says, as you think about growing in your faith and your faith being established and grounded, Paul says in Philippians 1.27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, then I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Now, I kind of chewed on you a little bit earlier, not really intentionally, but yet reminding you that your pastor is your leader. Love him, pray for him, celebrate him and his family. But notice what Paul says here, that when we are standing firm in one spirit, we're contending as one man, one person for the gospel. Church, hear me. This church exists for the sake of the gospel. And everything you do must build unity. Everything must build unity. Why? Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen? You know, I have a friend of mine who said, hey, Bruce, we're celebrating 40 years this year. And my wife told me the other day, the first 10 have been pretty good so far. And he thought that was funny. And I thought, wait a minute, are you joking? Because you're telling me the last 30 haven't been so good. But yet, as I understand what Paul is saying, God wants this church with your life experiences corporately to become one to build the unity of the gospel. Why? So that God can be glorified and the gospel would be advanced. God is not going to waste your experience. That's why, church, we've been called to be people of comfort. 
That's why we've been called to walk with people, to, to bear one another's burdens, to do what Jesus did. I don't like that question. What would Jesus, Jesus do? That's, that's the wrong question. The question is, what did Jesus do? Not what would He do, but what did He do? And by the way, Jesus gave His life that we might have life eternally. We only have eternal life because God raised Him from the dead. That's our joy. And that's our hope. And that's our message. So what are you going to do about this today? What's the application? But may I remind you that people are watching you all the time. Man. I remember my son playing basketball in high school. I remember sitting on the very top row of the bleachers. And I remember yelling my lungs out for our team. And I'm loud. If you haven't noticed that, I'm sorry. But I'm loud. And this little old lady about seven... I'm sorry, ladies. But this little young lady, probably six, six rows down, looked at me and said, And you're the Baptist preacher? That's right, ma'am. And that umpire or that ref missed that call. I'll never forget one of those umpires looked up at me and said, uh, you know what that means? That's enough. Your dad ever do that to you? Mama? That's enough. Wow. Shouldn't we be excited about the gospel of the kingdom? Why would we hunker down? Why would we not share the best thing that's ever happened to us? And I don't know your heart today, and I don't know where you are with the Lord, but folks, I want you to know something. If you're experiencing pain right now, God wants to be present in your pain. And God wants you to take all this experience that you're having, the guilt, the sorrow, whatever, whatever emotion you have, Give it to Him and ask God to bring that healing only He can bring. And He finds that, and you find that, first of all, through trusting Him as Savior and Lord. It's very simple. The Bible calls us to do that. So number one, folks, we need to practice what we preach. Number two, we need to live a life that reflects Jesus. Number three, learn to give God the glory and worship Him regardless of the circumstance or outcome. And stand firm. Stick together. Be united. The world is asking, where is your God? The world is asking, how are you different than me? Why should I even come and be a part of who you are? Because I don't see much happening any different than what I'm doing right now. God help us today. God help us as a church. God help us as a people to remember that He is faithful. By the way, here's a little note. Go to BibleCharts.com. Go to Lesson 15 on Paul's suffering. Just mark it down. BibleCharts.com, lesson 15 on Paul's suffering. There'll be 15, excuse me, 15 pages, 23 pages that lists all that he went through. And read those, and then make a note of whether or not you can relate. And then best of all, what would you do in that situation? How would you not just react, but how would you respond? Now let me give you with a, a last word of hope. Number one, God's going to use your struggle as an example. You bet. God's going to use you to encourage other people. I hope so. 
I hope you allow that to happen. God's going to use you to exalt Him, hopefully, amen, that your life is a constant worship experience, giving God the glory. Don't be crazy about it as far as being insincere, but recognize that we exist by God's grace. You know what grace really means? G-R-A-C-E, God's redemption at Christ's expense. That's what it means. God's redemption at Christ's expense. All because of Jesus. Romans 8.18, mark it down. This is from the Amplified Bible. Paul says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, in parentheses, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us, and in us, and for us, and conferred on us. Can I say this? There's something better, 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 way better. Something unbelievable waiting for you as God's child. And that's not only heaven, but that's the fact of standing in His presence knowing that everything we experience right now is very small compared to God and His glory that He gives to us. Wayne Watson wrote a song years ago, You're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only Jesus some people will ever know. And my question to you today is, when people see you, when people spend time with you, who and what do they see? Now, I'm not asking for perfection, because we're not. But I'm asking that question to challenge you. To not just, quote, be like Jesus. You can be like Mike. You can go wear Nike tennis shoes. But how do you be like Jesus? You do what He did.